Imperial Media presents The Brooke Taylor Show Encounter, Adventure, Evangelize And now your host, Brooke Taylor Welcome, welcome to the program Hello, my name is Brooke Taylor And a big thank you to our show sponsor Select International Tours And Happy Easter I hope you had a wonderful Easter celebration And speaking of the resurrection We are gearing up for the Arise Retreat Happening this week So it was postponed by almost a year Obviously because of COVID Everything got pushed back But now, after a lot of preparation and prayer, we are getting ready to gather on the weekend of Divine Mercy. And so ladies from about a half a dozen different states, maybe more, will be meeting in Cleveland, Ohio for a weekend together of retreat, restoration, community, and time away with Jesus. So the butterflies are kicking in for sure. And just really appreciate your prayers, asking for traveling mercies for the ladies and of course, all the graces that will come from the weekend. And I'm excited to take you into the weekend. On the next episode, I will be sharing some of the highlights from the weekend. So stay tuned for that. On today's show, an expert on new age spirituality and the occult. Yes, we are going to go there. It is something that should not be controversial. And so out of the gate, I just want to lay that foundation. This really is an informative and educational interview. And our guest has the experience to back it up, which I'm so grateful for. I'm talking about Sue Brinkman. You may have heard her. Maybe you're very familiar like I am with her on Women of Grace with Johnette Williams. And in the intro of our conversation, you'll get the scoop on her bio. But I actually just purchased her most recent book. It's called Fight Like a Catholic. This was a gift for one of my son's Easter baskets. And we started reading it he's 14. I have to say he was just intrigued as I was reading it together. And I think you will be too when you hear what she has to say about the first chapter in particular. So you'll hear that in our conversation. And this interview is so timely. There has been a lot in the news recently about a story of rapper Lil Nas X, these devil shoes, and this collaboration with a streetwear company releasing Satan shoes decorated with a pentagram pendant. They also contained a drop of human blood. And Nike successfully blocked the sale of the shoes for now due to copyright infringement. But it just goes to show you how prevalent and how saturated our culture is with this darkness. And we pre-recorded this interview, so even though that story came out after our conversation, there is plenty that you're going to hear that really sets the tone of what's happening in our culture, why it matters, and what we can do about it. So let's jump in now. Fascinating interview, my conversation with Sue Brinkman. Take a listen. Today's guest is a specialist in all things New Age. She is the author of over 10 books on the New Age spirituality, the occult, as well as Carmelite spirituality. She's a third order discalced, and I've personally been looking forward to having her on for quite some time. So welcome finally to Susan Brinkman. Hello. Oh, hello. I'm so happy to be here with you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, it's funny because I will see a story, Sue, on mindfulness or like yoga in Catholic schools or something, and I will automatically think, I wonder what Sue would say about that. Like, I just wish I had you in my pocket. I could just say, did you see this? Because you've devoted so many years, decades of your life to studying this. And in my view, you're really a specialist in that field. Well, thank you for saying that. I, I just follow the Lord where he's leading me, and he really wants us to warn his lambs. 
they are being led astray by a lot of these different cultural things. And and uh, so if that's what he wants me to do, that's what I do. Because you've been there, done that also, right? That's part yes. of your story. I was into psychics. I was into astrology. And you know why I was into all that stuff? Because I was alone. You know, my husband had left me. I was desperate. I wanted to know what was going to happen to me. And I didn't turn to the Lord because I didn't understand very much about him, even though I went to Catholic schools. Isn't that terrible? I did not understand enough about him. He wasn't my friend. I didn't have a relationship with him yet. So I turned to these other things. That's where I went for my answers, because I didn't know the Lord. I didn't know my faith very well. And had I known that, it would have saved me a lot of pain and a lot of torment by the time I finally got out of that stuff. When we say New Age spirituality, we are talking about a broad range of practices. So I want to really begin there, maybe crystals, psychics, as you mentioned, horoscopes, alternative medicine, Eastern meditation. So there's a lot there, tarot cards, Reiki. Oh, Reiki, yeah. Energy medicine. You know, the, the New Age is a worldview. That's really what it is. It's just like we have a Judeo-Christian worldview, but they have a worldview and their worldview is pantheistic, meaning that God is all in all. He's not a personal God. He's an energy force. So when you see chi, ki, prana, universal life force, that's what they're talking about here. That's what the document, Jesus Christ, the bearer of the water of life, calls the new age God. That's their God, this energy force. And because God and humans and the universe are all connected um, and interconnected, we're all divine. And all you need to do to discover that divinity is to, you know, to unleash it, is to achieve enlightenment. And you do that either through practices such as yoga, transcendental meditation, all these Eastern forms of meditation, or by tapping into the secrets of the universe, like through a variety of these self-help programs, A Course in Miracles. Remember the book, The Secret, The Law of Attraction, even these vision boards, they all are, are positing that the mind has a power that it really doesn't have, that it can make things happen. It can't. Well, with that, no evil, no sin, just good choices, bad choices. That's right. They, there is no personification of evil in the New Age. This is what makes it so dangerous because this is how this is how the occult gets wrapped in under that umbrella of the New Age, and they just accept everything, everything in there. That's that's the gateway is through this belief that there really is no devil. There's just mm. a good or a bad choice. This topic is so broad, and I lament that we only have one episode and a limited amount of time, so I hope that you'll come back. But because I wanted to just serve our audience so faithfully here, I cast the net asking questions, knowing that you were going to come on. And I want to start with that right away, because there are so many things going on. Our kids are being targeted. Our culture is just saturated with this right now. But Right out of the box, I had a really great question. It's kind of a three-parter, so maybe we can break it down. I want to ask a question from Anne. She submitted this. How do we advocate for our children when we see their schools exposing them to new age practices without our permission? Example, yoga in gym class or Eastern meditation, mindfulness being used. I saw in California, they were actually doing this bizarre Aztec prayer and enfolding that into the curriculum, which is bizarre because these are the same people that want to remove prayer from school. So that's another topic. But she says, how do we empower our kids to refuse to participate? Also, I'm looking for tips on how to respond when someone comments that they're sending me positive vibes. <laughs> positive vibes. Tell them, thank you for those vibes. I prefer prayers. Just that's put it good. out there. I prefer prayer. Thanks for the vibes. I mean, this is part of this whole energy thing. They, they believe that they can send positive energy out to people. If we, we could send positive energy out to people. What a wonderful world this would be. 
right? Yeah. Everything would be so happy, but it doesn't work that way. As far as these programs in schools, some of them are actually constitutionally challenged, if I put it that way. The mm-hmm. American Law and Justice has begun to send letters, warning letters, to schools that are implementing these mindfulness programs, Mind, Mind Up, Inner Explorer, Calm Classroom, Mindful Schools, because of the fact that it's based in Buddhism and it could be having that in these practices incorporated into the curriculums of these schools, which is what they're doing, could be a violation of the Establishment Clause. The first thing I would tell a parent, if, they, if there is something in that school that is being introduced, first of all, get all the information you can about it. Find okay. out what it means. Because a lot of times they don't do that. They don't, they just say, oh, we're going to start this. And they give you some of this, you know, happy malarkey about it. Tell them you want to see what actually is being taught in the classroom so that you can make an assessment as to, okay, is this based in some kind of religion? If it is, you can go to any of these pro bono uh, legal organizations. First of all, of course, you go to the principal and you say, listen, I don't like this. I don't like the fact that you're teaching this in a public school. That is serious stuff. They shouldn't be doing it. They are doing it. They're getting away with it. But now, as I said, the American Center for Law and, and Justice, they put the fear of God in a lot of public schools across the country who have now begun to withdraw these mindfulness programs because they didn't realize that. The people who were selling them were telling them, oh, we secularized it. We took all the Buddhism out of it. Well, sitting for 15 minutes, negating all of your thoughts, putting yourself into your, your mind into an, an empty void is a Buddhist meditation practice. And that's what's part of this mindfulness what they do in school, sometimes up to 15 minutes, keeping kids in these states, which is very dangerous, but that's a whole other subject. You need but to know. Sue, this is also happening in Catholic schools, and they'll say, well, we're just Christianizing it, we're adapting it, or these are just stretches. And this is a really tough area because even among fellow Catholic moms, there's a lot of defensiveness here. So I think part of it is practicing true yoga, I think we can all agree, is anti-Christian, but it's the blurred lines that come in there where they say, well, look, I am Catholic. I'm not in any way in a new age spirituality thing. I'm solid in my faith. I can do these stretches without being tempted into other religions. How do we respond to that? Okay. Well, as far as yoga is concerned, how, how do you respond to that when the, when the school is doing things like this? First of all, a lot of people in the schools aren't aware of some of the facts about yoga. We just had uh, somebody write to us not long ago, maybe a couple months back now, a father whose son came home and said they were doing yoga in school. And he contacted the teacher to explain to the teacher why he was against that. And it was a very civil, wonderful conversation. And at the end of that time, that teacher decided no longer, that gym teacher, no longer to include yoga. That He had no idea that he he could be violating people's faith with that. He had no idea. So a lot of times... You know, don't get angry at these at these teachers and these principals and that, because in, in a lot of ways, they don't understand what they're dealing with. People are very sorely educated. I often wonder what they do on the Internet, because I can find out some of this stuff in about less than 30 seconds. What are they doing out there that they don't look this stuff up to see what it is? Uh, we have plenty of information on our New Age blog at womenofgrace.com. They can take any of those articles. They're quick read blogs and take them in and educate them. That's what this father did. And, and he was able to, to have that stopped. Is there a way for, for the apologists of yoga who are Christian or Catholic, is there a way to separate it from the Hindu spirituality that it's rooted in? Is there ever a way that yoga in its true form can be accepted? No, no. And especially not in a Catholic 
scenario because, okay, set aside the fact that you don't intend to be worshiping Hindu gods. That's fine. You don't intend to worship them. Um, however, that practice is intimately associated with Hinduism, which means people who know that you're doing that, they may be led to believe that, oh, well, she's practicing something that's Hindu, so practicing Hindu stuff must be okay for me, too. So what does that open the door to? The sin of scandal. And people just ignore that. You can easily scandalize people by telling them that you're involved in, in yoga. And, oh, I just do I just do the, the exercises, or I'm just doing the stretches. Let me tell you something about being in a yoga class. The guy next to you might be calling on the sun god and might be calling on the cobra. So if, if you are not in a state of grace... We all know from the teachings of the fathers of the, of the church that demons hide behind these names. There's no such thing as the sun god, but demons hide there. If he decides to, to answer the guy next to you and you're not in a state of grace, you're open game to him. You are open game to him. You shouldn't even be in the classroom because they could be worshiping it. Just because you're not doesn't mean you're safe. Right. I guess I, what I'm saying. I just read something about this. I'm so glad you said it. And I pulled it up. I highlighted it. It says, an insincere or careless soul is no threat to Satan. So he sometimes leaves it in a sort of fog, which some may describe as peace, but is in fact more like a drugged state. Leaving these souls in a kind of lethargy, he spends his time on those who are in and those who are about to be in a state of grace. St. John Vianney tells us the devil only tempts those souls who wish to abandon sin and those in a state of grace. The others belong to him, so he has no need to tempt them. I mean, I love that in, in a way, but I mean, it, it's true. And also, after you. Yeah. another uh, question here from Lynn. She says, I would love for you to ask Sue direction on the best way to navigate relationships with loved ones caught up in the new age web. How do we lovingly correct without alienating from future fruitful discussions? I've been led to pray for generational healing from occult influence on my family line and have been shocked at the present manifestation of it in the last three years since starting to pray this way. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Once you get into that sort of thing, generational curses and that sort of thing is very serious business. And a lot of people just scoff at it. They don't want to believe in that. The first thing that person I recommend that they do is that they educate themselves about it, first of all. If they can find anything briefly written about it, anything small, a blog, a pamphlet, something like that, a lot of times just hand that to somebody. Say, you know what, I came across this thing and it's very, very interesting. What do you think of this? And let them read it and then leave it alone. In other words, don't preach at them. It doesn't work. I have a sister who's been doing yoga forever. And she always says to me, I know how you feel about it, Sue. And she'll even say to me, she'll even repeat to me some of the teachings that I gave her. She told me she heard me. She heard me. And she doesn't do it as much as she used to do it either. I say leave a lot up to that person. Give them the information that they need. And then you do the powerhouse thing, which is pray for them. Mm, because I if there's that. a crack, even a little crack in the soul, Jesus will get in there. But he needs an invitation. So... You say the prayers, pray for that person, give them whatever information they can. And, for, and first of all, and foremost of all, educate yourself about it so that you know what you're talking about. If there's someone who has been there, done that, and I think for a lot of us growing up, maybe harmlessly, we thought harmlessly, playing with a Ouija board, not knowing really the dangers therein. At some point of our lives, we've read horoscopes or maybe visited a psychic, looked at tarot cards. This can be a doorway how do we know if we've been exposed to the demonic or if there's a diabolical manifestation in our lives in any way? How do we know? Okay, well, you, if you've played with those things, you have been exposed. But remember that God controls Satan. Satan just can't do whatever he wants. 
So you may have been protected. Perhaps your mother was praying for you or, or perhaps, you, you know, you just truly were innocent in this and you just didn't know what was going on. God, for whatever reason, would not have allowed something to happen to you. If, if however, you don't have any of those protections around you and you were dabbling in, in these things, perhaps you wanted to use a Ouija board or contact the spirit because you wanted to do harm to somebody, whatever. Kids are getting into that right now. This is a big thing for them, putting curses on the bus drivers. I mean, we've heard everything at Women of Grace. Trust me, his presence will be known to you. There's some kind of oppression going on in your life. You know it. You can tell that it's going on in your life. Things just are not going your way. And you need to start asking yourself, okay, what's going on here? Also, it could be natural reasons why things like that are happening. But the other thing is that you have to, if you've been involved in these things, you need to repent, reject any kind of practice that you've ever been in and renounce it. Repent, Mm -hmm. reject, and renounce. Those three things we need to do. And you should do that yourself personally. Just say easy to Jesus, Jesus, I renounce having been involved with the Ouija board. I reject that and I repent of having done it and I ask for your forgiveness. That is enough to shut that door. Because every time you turn to one of these things, you open a portal. And once that portal opens, and the only way to close it is with your own free will. Just like you you opened it with your own free will, now you have to close it with your own free will. And then you go to confession, you confess having done it, and then you lock the door. Taking a quick break to thank our sponsor, Select International Tours. In 1633, the villagers of Oberammergau asked God to save them from the Black Plague and committed to performing a passion play every 10 years beginning in the year 1634. That promise has been kept for over 400 years and has only been postponed during times of war until 2020 when the COVID-19 pandemic forced a two-year postponement. When the event resumes next year, we will be there. And Father John Michael Paul and I invite you to come with us as we pilgrimage to this picturesque Bavarian village among the stunning Amergau Alps. Not only will you experience this iconic passion play, but we will also visit Munich and Paris, the healing waters of Lourdes, and so much more next June 7th through the 18th. Now the trip is all inclusive, every last detail considered, which includes the limited and hard to come by tickets to the Passion Play. For more information, visit selectinternationaltours.com slash BTS. That stands for Brooke Taylor Show. That's selectinternationaltours.com slash BTS. Space is limited for the trip and you can get all the info there to find out more. Now back to my interview with Sue Brinkman. It was interesting that you brought up about the these young people and, you know, a spell on the bus driver because one of my friends in California, she just shared this story with me about her daughter who's working in a shop in California there and young girls came in who were her age. These are teenagers and they came in to buy lavender and they said it was for their spells because they're into witchcraft these teenage girls. And I mean, I can hear the voices of my secular friends laughing and saying, what is this? The Salem witch trials? I mean, this is harmless fun. These are just young girls. They're teenagers. But we know, and as you talked about, and as you have seen for decades, real true evidence that there is the occult and the power of that. How do we respond to that or convince people this is real and you don't want to be messing with it? They need to understand who Satan is. They have no clue what they're talking about. Anybody who says that is just just naive. That that witchcraft is a very big thing with teen girls right now. Very big. They are into, in some cases, even Satanism from witchcraft. Now, the, the lavender and stuff, this is all the, their use of essential oils. Essential oils, uh, there's nothing wrong with oils. 
However, they are heavily used in witchcraft. <laughs> Just a wow. fact. Okay. They are heavily used in that, and and they they mix them together so that they can um, work their spells. Are going to produce you know abundance or you know prosperity, attract your love interest, and they believe in spells. This is how they're getting their empowerment. And remember, like what you were like when you were a teenager, you felt vulnerable, helpless, that sort of thing. You know, this is empowerment to them. This is where young girls are getting their empowerment from. Is is right. from craft. And it's, it's huge. I have given whole conferences on that subject to try to warn parents what to look for, what things you might find in your daughter's room. We get heartbreaking mail from, from mothers who say, you know, I found these, these Palo Santo sticks, you know, in a box under my daughter's bed and all this incense and these crystals. And I don't know, what is she doing? It's like, I'm sorry to say she's involved in witchcraft. And this mm-hmm. is popular in schools. And you're like the popular girl if you're into it. So, you know, they have the Insta Witches, they have their own clothing lines, Big Witch Energy, it's BWE. It's, it's a whole cottage industry out there, cosmetics, everything, which is in witchcraft. The, the thing I think that's clear is that children are being targeted. We have movies like Soul the, to children's literature and what we see being introduced into schools. And so I do think it's important for parents to know because we are supposed to stand in the breach in all ways from teaching our children about stranger danger to poison. They had Mr. Ick that you put on and this would be indicative of stay away danger. But yet for the soul and what's happening in, in our culture, it seems like maybe we're just overwhelmed, but it is infiltrated every aspect from curriculum to comics and cartoons and video games, like you said. So maybe you could help us. What are some gateways to this that people might be surprised? And I know that it's infinite and I'm just putting you on the spot here, but I didn't know about these sticks that you just were talking about. Uh-huh. There's so many things. Some of the things that seem to be taking hold that might surprise people. You mentioned vision boards earlier, that these are things we really do need to recognize as red flags. The vision board, that's, you know, you put your, your whatever you want to happen in your life, you put pictures of that up on the board and then you focus on that. And, and this is really the law of attraction, which is very new age. And that's the idea that there's a mysterious power of the universe that you can tap into with your thoughts. If you think a certain way, you can tap into that and you're going to make things actually happen. So that gives the mind a power that it doesn't have. It makes it into a kind of a god. So that's like the secret, like I was saying, the, all of that stuff, vision boards, that's all very new age, very new age thinking out there. It's, it's, you've got to watch your self-help programs because that's, that's where a lot of this stuff comes in. As far as the children, in their books, got to be very careful. They're loaded with sorcery. Also, well, I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, Christmas 2019, the book came out, a children's book of demons. I don't know if you, you saw that. I was horrified by it. Here's how they advertised the book. Don't want to take out the trash tonight? Maybe you're swimming in homework. Perhaps that big bully is being a real drag. Well, grab your colored pencils and several drawing skills and draw up some demons. This paranormal parody is filled to the brim with funny spirits more silly than scary. That's what it is. And this is for Christmas? A book that was out for Christmas. Oh it's called a children's book of demons. It's getting very overt out there. Okay. As being so, like things. Let me ask you then, when you look at C.S. Lewis, Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, and these we know are men who are coming from a Christian worldview versus the Magic Tree House or Harry Potter, is one okay over the other? That's a good question because Christian fantasy, which is what you're referring to in Narnia, the series, The Chronicles of Narnia, and that that puts magic good and evil in their right place. What books like Potter and these other other books are 
is they they flip the order of things. They make magic look like like a tool. They try to render it neutral. And what that does is it turns the moral order on its head in children's minds. Anytime in Narnia, when a witch or some kind of magician was working something there, it was always stressed that that magic was evil and that it was hurtful and it could hurt people. It was always stressed that way. But what is it in Potter, for instance? You can work that for good. So you use the same the same magic that's used for evil that you use for good. And that's what confuses children in their mind. They begin to think, well, it's okay to use this because, you know, I can save the world by using magic. Mm. So they don't understand that. You also talked about Magic Treehouse, which is a series of books, educational, that my kids have read. And I never really thought about it. We love children's literature, first of all. So we've read so much, but I think that's a really good way to put it. And Truly, we were talking about this before we started recording. Our faith is so full and rich. We have everything we need there. And yes, it's good to dabble in in literature and fantasy, but to to be so careful and prudent. And that, again, we're not just going to allow our kids to go into a dangerous area without supervision when they're little. Why would we do that? And it's so hard, trust me, I know, because of social media and cell phones and the volume that comes in, the ear gate, the eye gate. But I think that's why we do have to be really diligent about this. Absolutely. You know, a developmental psychologist um, told me this one time, and I never forgot it. She said that if you really want to prepare your child for the world, you've got to sit down with this material. Don't just say to them, no, 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 you can't watch this or you can't see this. Sit down with them, read it or watch it with them, and then show them what's wrong with it. Because that gives them what she called a Catholic lens through which to see the world. Because eventually you're not going to be with them and they're going to go out there. And this way you've properly prepared them for what they're going to see out there. And they're going to understand their faith so much better. I have learned my faith so much through researching the new age and the occult. But sit with them. Don't be so quick to just say no. Of course, if it's something like, you know, a children's book of demons, that's an absolute no. But you can still sit down with that child and say, this is why you don't want to contact a demon. Because this is what demons do to people. This is what their MO is. It's to destroy you. And to do so with as much pain and suffering as possible. They want to make you miserable because that's how they are, miserable. Mm-hmm. Like I was saying, that book, I just wrote it. And for years, the Lord had that on my heart. Write this, write this, write this. And I finally did. Fight like a Catholic. And the first chapter in the book will scare the heck out of anybody. But you've got to read that. You have to understand who he is, what power he has, how he uses them, so that you understand what you're up against out there. This is not silly stuff here. That we're talking about this can be very dangerous and he's very subtle and very sly and he comes in very easily little by little by little that's how he operates i know we're short on time i just want to ask one more listener question to get this in here she said recently my daughter's catholic school started a women's empowerment club i am all for women's rights defending the dignity and femininity of women but secular feminism seeks to destroy the church this is no secret it is not compatible with our faith am i taking this too far or is there reason to be concerned no i would be concerned i don't think you're taking it too far i would be concerned but like i said before get the information from the school get the information find out exactly what it is read what it is that they're teaching and tell them you you need to know what that information is if they're not going to give it to you then you need to go to your school board and you need to start demanding you're the parent you need to see it what is in the curriculum what exactly are you going to be teaching these girls in this particular club or class or whatever they're doing um get the information first I think too many, many of us, we get too upset right away and we, you know, that kind of clouds your vision. Stay calm, 
get your information first. And then if it is something that's not good, then go and do your homework. Yeah, you have to it's just, just still for me it. though. I feel which I agree. I think that's so good, and I need to be reminded of that because sometimes I do just jump to conclusions. There's this idea I was thinking that it's there's a poverty there though in that we have such amazing, beautiful saints from Edith Stein to Saint Therese of Lisieux, Mother Teresa. That why can't we form the the beautiful feminine saints group or something? The little flowers I know that exists where you're using what we already have. These extraordinary women of God who have done amazing things, and you are making no secret that this is what our group is about. Now I understand because when it comes to pro life work and some of the pregnancy uh, centers, they name them more. Nebulous names so that people aren't all of a sudden putting up a wall thinking, oh, this is Catholic and they're going to preach at me, where they will come in, they'll feel comfortable. But I think, like you said, that's why the information is so important. This is our house, so to speak. A Catholic school is our house. We should be so proud of our identity and propagating the faith, evangelizing, living it out. So, that I think is where the rubber meets the road for us parents is not only to stop the things coming in that are bad, but to put forth things that really are lacking. There's such a need for true identity in Christ. There is a gender identity crisis, which I know you and Jeanette fearlessly talk about all the time. And so starting there, who are you in Christ? And It does get confusing when you have all of these new age things about just be who you want to be. Who do you identify with? And if we say we're Christians, what are we doing? You know, if if it's not upholding what we say we would die for. Yes, yes. And I wonder about this um, female empowerment program. What about the feminine genius? You want to empower girls? That's how you empower them. Because what do they have? What do most of them have by the time they reach their teen years? They got self-esteem problems. And, and what a way to build that child up and show them their dignity just, just by being a woman. Show them the power that the woman was given by God. These are beautiful programs. Young Women of Grace, Women of Grace. Women of Grace is for adults and the Young Women of Grace is for teens. Girls 12 years old and, and up to about maybe you know 16 or 17 years old. And that's what it teaches them. It teaches them who they are in the eyes of God and builds them up that way. It gives them solid church teaching on femininity and the feminine genius. And I just think that it's, uh, it's, they're beautiful programs for girls and they, they teach them the right way of who they are and how to base their, their whole concept of femininity on God-fearing virtues and values of being a good woman who can move the world with her goodness. And to, and to challenge them. That's one of the themes that I keep coming back to. The encyclicals we have about theology of the body, or as you said, the feminine genius, all that we have that helps c- cerebrally as well as spiritually, these young women have a well-formed understanding and solid fire inside of why God created them and put them on earth here at this time. And if we could only just embrace that and challenge our young people with that, they're, it's unstoppable. For me, I feel overwhelmed by everything going on. But if it's, you know, like St. Therese, the little way, the little way of femininity, the little way of faithfulness, that um, it's it's a beginning. And to call on the saints, like I was just reading about St. Bartolo Longo, that he was once a Satanist 
then now almost a saint. He was such an example. He experienced demonic, very present. I, I don't, he was a Satanist and then he escaped essentially and dedicated the rest of his life to being a Dominican. But those who are in that world and have left that world can tell you it's very real. And I think part of the problem is that you're almost laughed at when you bring up the fact that this is dangerous, depending on what circle you're in, secular-wise. But the enemy is real. And so that's why I think your book would be really good as well, The Fight Like a Catholic. Well, we're always going to be laughed at. We're always going to be laughed at. We can't let that stop us from, from professing the truth. And, and, and don't let that fluster you. Ask God, ask the Holy Spirit for, to, to fill you up. With the, with the gift of courage and fortitude to help you to be able to withstand that kind of thing. And just very quietly and very methodically, this is what John and I do behind the scenes. We just do our thing and we get the word out one person at a time. And, and that's how we're trying to do things. That's how we work with our women. It's always one woman at a time trying to get the word out about the new age and the occult and the dangers at these, it's, it's one person at a time. It's very easy to get overwhelmed by that. Satan wants to overwhelm you. He wants you to, to throw up your hands and say, what can I possibly do against this tidal wave of stuff that's coming at me? You can do something. It, you don't have to necessarily do this huge thing. Just do little things, right? Within the, the sphere of your life. Just do those things. Reach those people who you can reach. There's always going to be people that they're just closed to you. They don't want to talk to you about it. That's fine. I always say to them, you know, pass them some literature or just pray for them. But like Jesus said, sometimes you got to shake the dust off your sandals and you got to move on because they're just not open at that time. They won't be later. Just a parting word here about prayer for the protection. Father Rippinger, I love, has done so much on spiritual warfare and protection against these things, the occult, the new age. I know there's binding prayers, but as laity, we also have to be careful with that. Do you have any go-to prayers just in terms of wisdom, discernment, protection against this new age stuff and recommendations, whether it's it's a novena or the rosary in general, the St. Michael prayer that you have found most efficacious? I wear the brown scapular of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. That's what I do. I'm invested in that scapular. I don't go anywhere without my scapular. And not because it's a good luck charm, but because I believe that Our Lady is watching over me. I believe in the promises that she gave to everybody who wears that scapular. And trust me, Satan does not want that scapular on your body. He does not want you to wear that because he knows that that identifies you as being a child of Our Lady, and you're wearing the livery of her son. That's how she says it. That's the livery of my son. Everyone who's wearing that brown scapular of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And that's gotten out of vogue, but it's not with me, and it never will be. I never leave home without it. <laughs> that's that's it. And and I turn to Our Lady for everything because she is, uh, they, they are so afraid of her. They don't want anything to do with her. And all the books that I've read, the exorcists that I've talked to, she terrifies them. They don't want anything to do with her. I often say to myself, tua sum ego, salva me fac. And that is Latin for, I am yours, Holy Virgin, save me. Just turn it over to her and give it to her because you are not capable of fighting that creature. You are not capable of fighting him at all. All you can do is turn to the one weapon that you have, and that's Jesus Christ and his power and his cross and his blood. That's that's what will defend you. And as we know, Latin is the language of exorcists, and the devil hates Latin. So just that quick Latin prayer, I love that. Tua sum ego, salva me fac. I'm going to put that in the show notes. I'm going to have that memorized 
along with your book and the Brown scapular. And I think we've got a good arsenal to start. So thank you. Thank you so much. I hope that you'll come back with us again because there's so much to get uh, covered here. I feel like we just got started. But the good news for our listeners is you have such a robust library that you and Jeanette have built up over years online of responses to common questions. So can you tell us the best way to find that? Just go to newage.womenofgrace.com. And that will take you directly to the index of that library. And you just scroll down alphabetically and you'll see it. There's got to be at least 12 to 1,500 entries in there. We lost count. There's a lot. There, and I put at least two blogs out every week. So go to womenofgrace.com and they'll be right on the front page. There's ways that you can keep up with this for sure. Oh, and you can order Fight Like a Catholic. You can order that through Amazon. You can just get it right at Amazon. Great. Okay. Thank you so much, Susan. Thank you for having me. Thank you again to my guest, Sue Brinkman. I really genuinely hope to have her back sooner than later. And I've actually been thinking a lot about the idea she floated in there about doing a seminar, something interactive, covering some of the themes that we touched on there. So my question to you is, is that something that you would be open to? If it is, would love your feedback. It's thebrooktaylorshow at gmail.com. You can also find that in the show notes to link up directly. Again, it's the Brooke Taylor Show at gmail.com. But what I like about it is it's something that could be done right where you are. It's a virtual seminar. So of course, that's available to everyone almost. And you heard there, Sue talks about the prevalence of witchcraft in the culture. She has done workshops on that topic alone. But then as I also started to read her book, it's the book that we talked about, The Pray Like a Catholic, a new one. I'm also thinking that might make a really good seminar because it goes into how to identify spiritual warfare, the tools that we have, the weapons that we need to deploy, that the church has given us in the battle for our families and against the culture and for our own soul. So I was really excited when she actually mentioned that because I do see a desperate need for that. So again, shoot me an email. It's thebrooktaylorshow at gmail.com. I'll survey the input. I'll keep you posted and we'll see what happens. Happy Easter and a most blessed Divine Mercy Sunday to you. Also, a big thank you to my producer, Mark Cumming, for his dynamic skills and quick work. Mark is a producer extraordinaire, so for any audiovisual needs you may have, check him out at cominghomestudio.com. God bless you, friends. Jesus, I trust in you. Until next time, peace and love.